Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing fantastic, Neil. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic as well. And anytime we get to talk NFL, I get excited. And we have a great NFL uh, veteran, uh, former NFL player, Steve Wright, also Survivor Redemption Island. Steve, thanks for stopping by. And you know what? I'm going to just jump in really quickly with, you know, it's it's awesome that you're here and, you know, to tell your story, especially having your book come out. It's got to be great to be able to tell your story. Everyone wants to tell their story, don't they? Everybody has a story and everybody I just since I finished my book, I've really just encouraged others. It's it's such a such a great experience. And I did this with my wife during the pandemic. Um, I just started writing. She said, you got to you got to put your story out there. The aggressively human is I'm, I'm a pretty mellow, naturally loving guy and how I had to turn on that animal instinct that we all have in us um, to just, you know, turn into a basically a psycho killer in practice and then especially in games and then come off of that and walk out into the parking lot and be a friendly, loving person in front of a microphone or with kids and everything else and just finding that balance. And she really pointed out that she could really see the golden retriever in me and the Rottweiler in me and how I balanced it. And there's so much now that seems to be out of balance with anger. And then the other side that's just really soft and, and get pushed around. And just, it's just a, it's an ever moving pendulum of, of finding the right, what I call the yin and yang, um, the good with the bad, the right with the left, the mean with the soft and, um, so it's it's it was really a cathartic experience to to dig into that, and as I lay things out, more would develop, and it's just it's it's a it's an amazing opportunity or experience to just write your story, Neil. I'm sure you, you know if you sat down and wrote it out, or I don't know if you have or not, but not yet. It's coming soon, but not yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, definitely got to get a little bit more to the story, but I have a crazy story to tell as well. And I'm going to go to Greg really quickly, but I wanted to touch upon. It's very true. When you're a professional wrestler, not we are, we uh, basically, you know, lift all the time. We go into the ring, we beat each other up. We sometimes use that anger in the ring, even though it's not, it's fake, right? Fake meaning like it's predetermined. We're really, there's an animal instinct to pro wrestling, especially sure. when I was in there in the, in the nineties. And so I came and then I really have learned to reflect about my anger in the last, you know, year, year and a half to reflect. Why do I do this? And we think as, 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 as males, that's how we do it, especially as athletes. If somebody ticks us off, we want to, you know, just take them out. And we, that's not how a human being should be. So I can't wait to hear more about that, Steve, but go ahead, Greg, with your question. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting, Neil. Uh, so, Steve, when we were in the green room before we jumped on, um, you said something that was interesting, which was leaving a legacy for your son who's in his 30s, young 30s now, and, uh, you know, all the different things. And uh, so if, if you had to pick like the top three things that, uh, you know, you wanted to get across to your son through the book, you know, what are those three things? listen to find and listen to mentors Men mentors have just been paramount for me 
and there's good and bad mentors. And I, I kind of just learned this uh, by accident as, as I go into it in my book, but bad mentors are just as valuable. Seeing, seeing jerks that you just don't want to be like and just like, ugh, so I want to be this other way. And so it kind of just helps develop you. But um, finding finding good mentors, um, believing in yourself uh, when really nobody else does, um, giving, giving it, um, looking for opportunities, um, walking through doors when you're, when you're afraid to, uh, my, one of my, uh, things I, I go on is, is, uh, um, be the change, um, finding things that I don't, I, I, you know, that I'd rather be another way. So, I want to be the change. I see people, how others are treating others. Um, be the change, um, mentors, and uh, and uh, just going after it. Um, just believing yourself enough to to make to to get after it. Gotcha. So, so outside of sports, so let's talk about life mentors, or maybe they were uh, same as sports mentors for you as well. Like who, who is like your most memorable mentor that uh, helped you in your life at any age, whenever that was, and you know, what, what impact did they have uh, on your life? You know, kind of simple things, but I, a guy named Doug Cosby, who was a tight end for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I got to the Cowboys when I was 21 years old out here in California. And after meetings the whole team would race over to a place called uh el torito and it was just full of women and you know it's just great for young guys like me and we only had a couple hours to hang out with these girls and then we had to get back to to um, curfew but the girls were just swarming all over us and it was it was great for us but then guys i see other married guys that are making out with these girls and you know maybe leave them with the girls and they got their wedding ring on and they got you know they got kids and everything else but then you see a guy like doug cosby who's just putting his hand up and he's pushing these girls back and i just remember being 21 years old thinking like wow i really respect that because my parents hung together for 55 years or something like that and it just made, made me want to be that way um that that was uh Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka was another one that was just a great mentor to me. He was my special teams coach and the tight end coach with the Cowboys. Um, and he'd take me for a walk. Um, he'd see me frustrated. He'd throw his arm around my neck and say, let's go for a walk. The, my offensive line coach, he's pissing you off, isn't he? Yeah, he's just driving me crazy. I'm trying as hard as I can. He'd say, Steve, you start to worry if he stops yelling at you and it just like threw my head into a spin, like, wow, he's yelling at me because he cares. And then another one, we're just battling and just getting frustrated. And he'd say, Steve, everybody here has got the physical tools. This is what's going to separate you. And it's like that in any sport. It's, you know, when you're wrestling, Neil, or anything else, this is, you're, you're going to get you. He says, you're going to get your ass kicked today. Yeah. Deal with it. Figure it out fast. Yeah, and let's you know dive deeper into specifically enough uh, the experience you talked about in the mentorship. One of the things that you did that was really challenging was the strike season. 
Everyone remembers that strike. I looked back in your, your Wikipedia, so hopefully it's correct, that you did something that was very challenging that, you know, writers today didn't do or actors didn't do today when they were going through this, where you went with some of the replacement players. So tell us that story. That's really intriguing what happened there. Yeah, I just got into the Raiders. Uh, my first line of business, and I go into all this in the book, but it was walking the picket line. And so I'm out there just ready to walk the picket line with everybody. And we just did it nonstop, just walking circles in front of the Raiders facility in El Segundo. And up on the second floor, Al Davis was always standing there walking by with the, some of the other management looking down at us. And all of us would go over, we'd run these hills and we'd come back, we'd walk the, the picket line. And pretty soon over a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, guys are disappearing. So I'm standing out there and I'm a new guy. And I'm standing out there walking these circles with three or four or five other guys. So finally, I just went over and saw my folks. And then I got a call from the Raiders that they're going to jack up my salary and guarantee and boom, boom, boom. And this went on. It's kind of a funny story in the book. But this just kept going on uh, over the course of the evening. I ended up getting 100% guaranteed contact and jacked my salary up. It was like, okay, I, I've got to – I'd already been through the Cowboys, the Colts, the um, – invaders and so i knew that you got to look out for yourself to at a point but I, i'm a team guy to the core but at a, at some point yeah i've got to just look out for myself so i came back and drove through the the picket line now a few more guys were there there's maybe 10 guys and because they knew it was starting to that's why al i think was just wanting to get me get some get some nfl experience back in there but then all of a sudden the floodgates opened that afternoon. I went in in the morning. They came, everybody else came in, howling along. Everybody, the whole team came in that afternoon. And yeah, there was a lot of finger pointing and mumbling and everything else. But I was the only one in there that came in the same day as everybody else and had a fully 100% guaranteed contract that had been raised. So, uh, you know, kind of another lucky opportunity for me and uh, looking out for yourself. Um, again, though, I'm a team guy to a point. But then it's just, I, I'm in charge of myself, and I've, I've got to make sure that I'm in my best position. Well, that's a, that's a really great story, uh, Steve. Um, when did you know that you wanted to um, play professional football? I mean, how, how young were you? Um, probably about 21, maybe 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I've always kind of gone on the school of thought of, being very present, um, not really looking out too far in front just with my business and everything that's really worked well for me. Um, just having fun in seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, all through high school, just playing football for the love of the game. And like I say in my book, there wasn't a coach in high school or college that said, hey, you've got what it takes to make the pros. It's just I was very present and doing the best I could. And then about uh, my junior year, I started receiving some things from uh, different teams, the Cowboys, I think the Browns and the Vikings, you know, calendars and some letters were watching you. And then all of a sudden the uh, the draft came and went and I, I signed me up as a free agent myself, one of 120 other free agents with the Cowboys. And I not for sure. There was just not much of a chance of making it, but I'm going to give it hell. And I was just, uh, I, I worked like an absolute beast that off season, getting ready to go to training camp uh, out in uh, Oxnard with Cowboys. And I showed up and it was, I kind of 
made a joke that I was just a wood tick that they just couldn't get rid of. I was <laughs> working so hard and I was tireless and doing a little bit extra. Um, so it really didn't happen to just maybe about my, my junior year. Uh, I thought, man, I might have an opportunity to play in the NFL, but I never thought about it before that. Now, thinking about, I was talking to somebody else in the NFL a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about specifically you're, you, everyone's like a star in high school, right? Then they get to college and it gets to a certain level. There's all, everyone's talented in the NFL. It's all about work ethic after that. Wouldn't you agree? It's about how hard you work after, because everyone's so talented compared to everybody else. It's all about work ethic if you stay in the, end up playing in the NFL or not. Yeah, it's it's work ethic and it's having the right head. Mm -hmm. uh, guys will think they're too good. I've been I went through so many first round draft picks because they come in and they are the king. I was nothing. I I, I wasn't all conference in high school. I didn't have any honors in college. You know, so I just there was just no chance in heck I was gonna make it, but I was gonna fight like and scrap like a dog. Um well picture of my book John Clay who was you know not throwing him under the bus but he was a first round draft pick my in 1987 when I got there and I don't think he made it more than two or three years um came in really out of shape um couldn't keep up with anybody in the drills and I've just seen a lot of that they just uh yeah they're the big guys in high school and college um but it's a whole nother league and you got to be ready for it. No matter if you're a free agent or a number one draft pick. And a lot of guys just don't come in for that. In that, wow. that shape. Or, or mental, you know, the, the mentality game, which yeah. is huge in, in, in pro sports. Yeah. It, business too. I, I'm sure you apply that in your, in your company is a yeah, my intellectual company, game. Yeah. yeah. My company Cloudburst. Um, just making sure I've got a good product before I go out and try to sell it. Um, I ended up landing the Summer Olympics in Atlanta uh, in 1996. And we hadn't even done a small town fair trying to keep that thing cool. But we came up with a great product and just going for it, like I, we had talked about earlier, just, just go for it. And we went to Atlanta and couple weeks later we got the contract and then it's fulfilling it. It's just almost like Neil was saying there, what, what, you know, then once you get to the NFL or once you get to the big game, you got to produce. And we did. And then that kind of just parlayed onto selling things to the military and um, opening up distributors around the world and got into 1500 home depots and Lowe's and, all the garden centers, Targets, Costco's, Walmart. Wow. Yeah, it's just kind of one thing led to another. It wasn't a grand vision of I want to get it out into all these stores or I want to cool the Olympics or get it to the military. Let's just get some a good product here and oh, hey, we can we can do this restaurant over here and cool this and kind of just when opportunities open, plow through them. And I, I read about that as, as an experience I had with Tony Robbins of walking on fire. Wow. And the whole philosophy of that is take that first step. And once you take that first step, keep moving. You know, you're going to get some hot feet or you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to fall apart and go bankrupt or something. But once you take that step to, to open your business or whatever it is in life, don't be scared, you know, 
believe in yourself, do whatever it takes to take that first step and keep moving. I'm with two amazing CEOs right now, right? And I'm on that phase at, at 50 years old, trying to be the level of Greg Hanna and Steve Wright and seeing specifically where you guys, have, have, what you've accomplished in your life to get to where you are, to that level, because it's a, it's another game. It's just like the game of anything in the game of life. Would you say that you use, Steve, some of the ability to know how to make connections in the NFL once you started your business to say, okay, I know I kind of learned a lot from maybe the front office and learned certain things in business while I was in the NFL that I knew exactly what those steps were to take. And then it looks like now surrounding yourself with people like Tony Robbins that you see, if you surround yourself with the right people, you're going to really grow. Well, it's really interesting how you, how you put that because my philosophy then, and then especially I could see it afterwards is I met Tony while I was playing. I just got through reading his book, uh, uh, Awaken the Giant Within. And so in the off season, I went out to Palm Springs to, to walk that with him. But no, it, it, the, the best time for these young athletes, whatever, what sport you're in, you get invited to golf tournaments. And I'm playing, you know, in a foursome with three guys that are CEOs of banks of different, different companies. These guys want to hang around you. This is the opportunity. This is the time that you're at your peak to just say, hey, could I get your business card? And then when you get home, send them an eight by 10, how great it was golfing with you today. And I guarantee you, if you played another five or 10 years and got out of the league, you'd call this guy and say, hey, remember playing golf? The guy would love to, hey, why don't you come in? Let's take a look at you. You might have a good position here at the bank or something. But make those make those opportunities now while, while you're playing versus afterwards. Sure, learn from those guys while you're out there, but make those connections while you're an athlete at the peak of your career. Great point. It's, it's my feeling. Um, really instead of being an old guy, well, you, you're retired now. And, uh, you know, it's, you just, I just don't, I think maybe the guys are starting to catch on to it a little bit more now with, um, you know, the social media and everything else. But yeah, it's, my thing was just trying to make those connections and just also just being, just being good to people, just being kind. It, it, it pays, it pays off. And I call it karma. That's how I got the Olympics. I was uh, uh, a shoe salesman, uh, came into our locker room with the Raiders and had kind of a mediocre pair of shoes. I was wearing, I don't know, Nike or Converse or something. And nobody gave this guy the time of day. And this was about probably 1990. And I said, give me his shoes. I'll, I'll try them. The guy was just flipping it, that I wore them in, a, in our next game. And his boss put this guy on a pedestal and just was so appreciative that he got a pair of shoes in the NFL. Well, it turned out, so now we go to Atlanta and do our sales pitch, and I'm going up against GE, you know, just a behemoth. And we're just two little guys out in Marina Del Rey, California. And then we got the contract, and I was just laughing. Who, who is this really on the phone when I, was, when I was talking to him? He said, no, my name is Mike Ariano. He goes, you don't remember me. I was the shoe guy in your in your locker room and everybody else treated me like dirt. You were the only one cool to me. And basically, in a nutshell, now is payback time. This, this The Olympics are yours. Make us proud. Wow. And so it was just doing, just not looking for something for, for, for being cool to the kid. I was just, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a shot. But little did I know, 
the making of that developed and came back to me six years later. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful lesson in you know reciprocal generosity. You know, giving people, people just to give. You know, from your heart. You know, that's right. A, right. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. I, it's 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 got the electrical chills going through me on that one. That was oh, really, that's awesome. That was that's really awesome. nice. Well, yeah, I've, thank I've you had a that. few opportunities like that throughout my life, and I've I've got them in the in the book. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I don't know, Neil, if you're ready for I wanted to talk question. Survivor and then we'll go to your final question. Let's All right. talk Survivor. Okay. Now, how did you get so look at this? You're you're learning these things. What a branding opportunity for you, right? To go on Survivor. Would you agree? Well, okay. First of all, I've I've got to say that I, I it's crazy, but I'm under a contract probably this thick. Whoa. I really can't talk about it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's 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 five million dollars a shot. But I was just down at the right place at the right time with an open mind. And that's been kind of the the story of my life, keeping an open mind. And when there's an opportunity that opens up, charge. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to charge. And it's like they say, you know, make the plane, you know, after you, after you take off. Um, but I was down at uh, Fox Studio seeing Howie, um, but I'm never couple of years or something like that and hang out with him and in the green room and met somebody that was involved with the show and they talked me into it and next thing I know I landed in Nicaragua and that's about all I can say <laughs> really that's crazy and that's is that CBS that has you on to that I'm sorry what, was CBS the one that's you're not allowed to say anything more about it uh yeah it's well it's just it's it's the the, the survivor contract it's not it's not really cbs it's the oh. survivor contract and now it's owned by amazon and yeah, of course right <laughs> that's why oh, jeff bezos to come after you right no i think that's why the show has been so successful for 45 seasons Oof. um yeah but it's uh I, I i did get back here and ended up having to have a front tooth pulled uh because i had so much bacteria in it is this your toothbrush? And oh. like I said, this is your toothbrush and your toilet paper and everything. It's it's it, the show is one hundred percent real. Wow. Okay, it's real. There's there's nobody's eating anything on the side or anything. This oh. that's what the show's all about. Okay, you I would never have known that. I've talked to lots of reality stars. Didn't know they had contracts not to say anything. It must be the Survivor brand. All right, yeah. Greg, go ahead with you. Yeah, it, I mean, everybody's got NDAs these days, right? Yeah, exactly. NDAs. <laughs> well, that was a short conversation about survivors. So sorry about that. No, I don't care. That's more interesting what you told us, right, Greg? We oh, like no, those kind of answers. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, Steve, it's been a real pleasure uh speaking with you. And I always ask this question of all of our guests, and it's a lot of it's for me, uh, to my own personal development. Um, I believe in lifelong learning yes. uh, and daily learning. It's so critical. But also for all the people that, if I'm fortunate enough to have them listen to this, um, so here goes. So, so Steve, what do you feel is the most important thing in life you've ever learned? To love myself and believe in myself. Short and simple. Believe in myself and be my be my best friend. Love yourself. You know, when everybody else is down on you, there's pressure. It's, uh, I get myself out of it. Um, 
That's that's the that's the short, simple, real answer. Yeah, just having having supportive parents to that really stress that that uh, didn't put pressure on me. That uh, just love. Grew up in a house full of love, and uh, so really learned to love myself, which you don't see a lot of. Um, and it'll 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 take you farther than almost anything else, I think. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, I wanted to finish up, Steve, when you talked about, you know, anger, different things. So you went through a period to improve yourself from the gridiron to change who you are at ways to kind of that process, especially with, you know, how, you know, had a, potentially concussions in the NFL and stuff like that and kind of form yourself as an, as an entrepreneur versus a football player. Did you go through the sort of that way so you, you can not have the temper that maybe you had on the gridiron? No, because I'm naturally like this, and I had to I had to turn myself into like a psycho killer before games. I'd sit in the, my locker, just taping my knuckles and and just trying to think as ugly as I possibly could. Otherwise, it was the transition for me was really easy because I had I had uh, picked up this misting company, um, misting idea about three years before I retired. Um, I, I brought it to training camp and then to uh, our first preseason game. And so I never really had a time to, I went from one profession right into my entrepreneur. That's um, great. Doing it the last couple of years. And then once I retired, I, I, I left the locker room and opened up an office and kind of just started grinding from there. So it was, it was a super easy transition. That's great. Um, no depression, no missing the game. And I was, again, I was fortunate that the team was moving to Oakland. And so it, it, what are you going to do? You got to figure it out now. You're going to go to Oakland and struggle through your 13th season or whatever it's going to be, or you got an opportunity here. And I knew it was going to happen at some point. And I loved Los Angeles and I'd been here for seven or eight years. So I just uh, made the switch and kept a good attitude and, and did what I could to start growing a good product. Best place people can purchase your book and learn more about you. Where can they go? Uh, they can go to Amazon. They can go to my website. My website's uh, writeauthor.com. And we've been, uh, I've been blogging weekly. And there's a ton of pictures of whatever, Bo and I and game shots. And uh, but I've got probably 20 blogs in there. And then you can buy just on a, on a click to Amazon. I just got through recording the Audible. I've got the ebook in there now, a hard and soft cover, and all it goes on sale uh, the 7th of November. All right. We appreciate it, Steve. Thanks again, man. Thank you, thank you for the. Uh, Thanks, thank Steve. You for the, that was a lot of fun. Here. Greg, pleasure. All right, that was well, that, that was a special interview of, of celebrity interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna, guys. Take care.